Check Complete, a referee podcast, is an educational resource for referees by referees, designed to connect and develop soccer officials of all ages and skill levels to better serve the game both on and off the field. Episode 12 of the Check Complete podcast. We're back, baby. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good whatever, whenever you're listening to this. Um, we're excited that you have chosen to take time out of your busy life to engage with the Check Complete podcast. I'm Gordy, the host, and uh, I'm alongside John today. John, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Good Ab- to be here. Absolutely. We love uh, this conversation with you today. So we've got a, a couple things that we're going to talk about. John is a pro referee, works in the MLS, um, but he also, his day job is uh, a tax professional. Professional is the right word. Tax get professional. paid to handle your taxes. Yeah. That's it. Accounting, bookkeeping, all that kind of stuff. You, you do some it. bookkeeping work and things like that too. Absolutely. Right? For clients outside of the taxis and whatnot. But um, so tax professional, um, I mean, if you know him really well, you can call him your tax guy. Tax guy is actually a great line. It's I great actually line. call myself tax guy all the time. Seems to fit. Right. But if you're like, like, you, like, like a business card or some sort of public material, it's going to say tax professional. You're going to get tax professional. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, um, yeah, John, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the tax, referee tax side of things. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go through some definitions of some important items you need to know about taxes, and then we'll get into some the good stuff, if there is such a thing with taxes. With taxes. Yeah. It's going to get juicy with taxes. Um, so we'll talk about that on the tax side of things. Some really important information for you to know and to be tracking as an independent contractor that's working as a referee. Some of you that have, you, some of this will be old hat, but there might be some new things that you can pick up on um, to make sure that you're getting uh, the best experience with your taxes overall. So I, I won't steal his thunder mostly because I do not know what I'm talking about. Then we're going to go, uh, we'll take a, a quick break. We'll have a word from our sponsor, which also happens to be his business. And then we will do uh, an interview with John. We have some fan questions. We appreciate everybody who wrote in. Um, Continue to to engage with us on social media at check underscore complete on Twitter and Instagram and check complete on Facebook. We want to hear from you as we announce guests and things so that you can um, participate in the episodes. It makes it a lot of fun with when fans engage and the audience engages that way. So we have some of those as well as we're going to hear your story, Mm -hmm. talk about um, kind of where you started and where you are now as well as some of the things on and off the field. So let's dive right into this. Let's talk about the the tax side of things. Again, as independent contractors as referees, there are some things that that you need to know and be tracking and holding on to. So I'll I'll let you start and I'll just sit here and learn and lob comments. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different than your normal kind of W-2 job, right? You work Mm -hmm. on maybe an hourly wage, get a W-2 at the end of the year and you just file a tax return. It's a little bit different. Uh, So first things first, taxes suck. Let's just get that out of the way. We all know that taxes suck. Um, I do have to say for legal purposes, the information in this segment is not meant for tax advice. You should always seek professional help from a paid tax professional. Tax professional or a tax guy if you know him well enough. Or a tax guy. Yeah. Make sure you pay them. Yes. Um, so we need to get a couple of definitions out of the way just so yeah. we understand terminology before we get too caught up in the details of tax. Uh, so the first one you've already mentioned, independent contractor. Uh, we kind of throw that word out a lot. Um, outside of all of my compadres at the Professional Referees Organization, all the referees we're talking to today are most likely independent contractors. Right. Uh, whether that's through the league you work for or the uh, college assigner you work for, mm. you're an independent contractor, okay? That means you control your own schedule, you have the responsibility of purchasing your own equipment, uh, things like that. No taxes will be withheld out of your paycheck. So that game fee that you see, that you sign up for, you're going to see that whole game check in your bank account or form of check or if you're lucky enough, cash at the field. That's why we like it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So most of the people we're talking to are independent contractors. Right. Okay. The next topic we need to talk about or definition is 1099-NEC. It's a form from the IRS. Okay? Okay. What do you think NEC stands for? Give me your um, best guess. Probably... Um, Negligible electronic mm-hmm. communications. Mm-hmm. Wrong. Very wrong. I knew it would be. Uh, 1099 non-employee compensation. That's basically what I said. Okay. Uh, this is a document that you'll get from 
either the organization or the individual that you're working for. Uh, if you make over $600 in a calendar year, that organization or person is required to issue you a 1099 uh, before January 31st of the next calendar year. So all of the work that we're doing here in 2022, you should see that money show up on a 1099 come January of 2023. Now, the supposed to is kind of a, mm. uh, it's kind of interesting. Some organizations are a little bit late, um, but if you claim all of your referee income, you shouldn't have an issue. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, the next term is W-9. So when you sign up to referee with a new organization or individual, they're going to ask you for a form. It's called a W-9. Mm -hmm. Very basic. Your name, your address, your social security number. That way they have your information to issue the 1099 sure. at the end of the year. Okay. Um, what I did when I was coming up the ladder is I would just, I, I would have an electronic copy of that 1099 mm -hmm. and then just as I need them, print them off. I even would even yeah. sign one and keep it uh, like in a safe place. So that way, you know, with all the, it's a little different now because especially for the college referees, a lot of things are going through the same platform, either Arbiter Pay or, you know, a lot of schools are using those systems. Back in the day, mm. when we were just working for the schools individually, you had every game you felt like you were giving another W-9 uh, to a Or you'd like attach it to like a pigeon's leg and, and just nail send it. it. Yeah. Just send it. Right, yeah. yeah. That was early days in your referee career. Super yeah. early. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last term I'd like to talk about is just a Schedule C. That's mm -hmm. the part of your tax return that's going to report all your referee income and expenses. Okay. okay? Um, each Schedule C is for basically a small business. So mm. all the referees we're talking to, you're basically in business for yourself. Yeah. Um, so you can actually just kind of accumulate all of your referee information, income and expenses, and put them on one Schedule C. Mm. If you're into other side gigs, if we're living in the gig economy, if you're driving right. for Uber or running food for DoorDash, those would be separate Schedule Cs. Okay. Okay? So that's almost like a, um, from like a... a putting on your resume kind of thing, you could list yourself as like running your own business as a referee, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of aspects that we're going to get into here in a second that are business-like items. Right, so even doing. broader than just taxes, but like, hey, if you're trying to be marketable to an employer, this yeah. is a job that can, if you articulate it correctly, is a very marketable job for a wide range of other jobs you could be seeking. Oh, absolutely. Especially right. as you get a, a little higher level and you're having to market yourself to assigners, uh, you're having to keep track of your own schedule, mm -hmm. show up on time. You know, a lot of those games are now two hours before kickoff, one hour before right. kickoff, um, organizing all your equipment, yeah. uh, communicating with your teammates who are on your crew. There's a lot of aspects of this job that can apply to a plethora of other jobs, yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's a great point. Huh. Um, so before we get into some of the items that can be deducted, um, it's very important to talk about why we need to know those things. And I'm going to touch on this in the referee portion that we're going to do after this. Okay. Why is very important no matter what we're doing. Okay. Um, after we add up all your referee income and subtract your expenses, you're subject to two types of tax. The government loves to tax us, especially yes. all of us in the middle, um, which is probably every single person we're talking to right now. Probably. So two types of taxes. As I said, taxes suck. The first type of tax is regular old income tax. Okay. Um, our awesome editors are going to put a picture of the 2022 income tax bracket up on the screen. Yes, they will. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see you can fall anywhere between a 10% bracket and a 37% bracket for you big wigs who make tons of money. Okay. So you could be taxed from 10% all the way to 37%. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't get into the specifics of the tax bracket. Consult your tax professional. The tax is progressive, so don't think, you know, if you end up in one bracket, your whole income gets taxed in that bracket. It works a little bit different. Okay. Um, but. So that's one. That's the first type of tax. First type of tax. So for this conversation, let's assume this fake referee we're talking about is in the 15% tax bracket, okay? Okay. 15% tax bracket. Okay. So now here's the real kicker. Self-employment tax. Mm. <clears throat> self-employment tax is the way we self-employed people pay into government programs like social security and medicare okay some of the kids watching this podcast probably don't even know what those two programs are sure unfortunately some of the kids watching this podcast may never even see <laughs> any money from those two programs if it runs out that's a whole nother conversation Oof. for another day but that tax alone is 15.3 percent mm. okay so after we take your income Subtract your expenses. Whatever is left over is subject to both of those tax. Okay. Remember, this fake referee we're talking about is in the 15% tax bracket. 
So he's going to pay 15% regular income tax and an additional 15.3 self-employment tax. So we're at 30.3 if my math is correct. 30% tax. Oh. That is the why behind the reason you need to track all of your deductions and expenses. Because we want to get that number as low as possible. And I guarantee there are some people who are watching this podcast right now who do really well, either youth games, college games, high school games. That can, end, that can add up to be quite a bit of money. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to get that number as low as possible. That's the goal. Okay. Okay, and here's how we do it. Here's the good stuff, if there is any good stuff within Good stuff. Here we go, taxes. baby. Okay. The IRS says anything ordinary and necessary to do your job is deductible. As a self-employed person. As a self-employed person. Okay. Okay? So ordinary and necessary is going to be very obvious in a couple of categories. Okay. Things like your certification fee, your recertification fee. Um, nowadays it feels like we're paying every assigner to use an Arbiter account in right. the college game. Those are all going to be deductible on your tax return at the end of the year, so make sure you keep good track. Other obvious things are things like uniforms, things you use every single time you referee. Sure. Flags, whistles, cards, coin. All those things are super, super obvious. Um, maybe even some other supplies like you, you, know, you take a water bottle to the field mm. um, to stay hydrated. Um, if you're anything like me, you're packing snacks in your bag Amen. <laughs> to, to stay uh, right. fueled up at halftime. Um, and if you're anything like you, maybe you're packing two bottles of sunscreen. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Fair enough. All of that could be deductible on your tax return. Okay. Okay. And then there's a small section of deductions that might not be as obvious as those other ones. Mm. Um, you know, everything we're doing these days is really like cell phone based. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're accepting assignments, if you're communicating with your teammates via your cell phone, mm-hmm. a portion of your cell phone could be deductible. That could be oh, interesting. That could be interesting. Um, if you're taking time at home to do referee related activities, you know, nowadays we report everything. Everything gets reported. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing those reports from a specific spot in your house, um, if you're using that to do a little bit of bookkeeping, maybe tracking your mileage or keeping track of your game log, maybe a portion of your home expenses could be deductible as well. Wow. Okay. Talk to your tax professional. The biggest and best deduction, in my opinion, is mileage. Mm. 2022 is a weird year for mileage in, from the IRS's standpoint. We all know gas prices went through the roof this summer. Mm. Uh, in trying to combat that expense, the IRS actually raised the mileage rate halfway through the year. So, hey nice. Iris doesn't do a lot of good things for us, but every now and then they come through clutch. So for the first half of the year, January to uh, June 30th, 2022, 58 and a half cents per mile well, is allowed to be deducted. What was that before? Oh, it changes every year. Oh, okay. So for the first half of the year, it was 58 and a half. And then as of July 1st, they bumped it, I'm gonna say all the way up, but it's four cents. 62 and a half cents to combat the gas prices. Uncle Sam looking out for you. Uncle Sam coming in clutch. God bless him. Okay, so uh, I say that to say it's going to be very important to track your mileage in in two separate ways this year. Okay. One for the first half of the year and one for the second because we're going to have to report it separately to get you the two rates. Okay, Um, so when we talk about mileage, we're talking about mileage to and from your games. Even if you're going from your house to the youth fields a few miles away, that that mileage adds up and can be a very big deduction. Um, all of you driving to college games, I've, I mean, I've got a lot of friends who drive two hours to college games. Mm-hmm. That mileage is all deductible. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you're renting a car, that's a separate conversation. Um, but make sure you keep really good track. We're actually going to have some resources for you in the description of this video. Uh, it's going to be a couple of spreadsheets, uh, just uh, a basic deduction spreadsheet that'll give you some of the categories and you can list, you know, date, item you purchased, how mm-hmm. much. And then we'll also have a mileage tracker for you. And it'll be broken out uh, with the correct mileage rates. So as your season goes on, you can just kind of type in your games, keep track of your mileage, where you started, where you ended, and just give that to your tax professional. It makes it nice and easy. Oh, okay. Look at that. Don't say we never did anything for you. I do have to say this again, that all that information you just got was general advice. Please, please, please consult your tax professional uh, on the specifics of any of the things we talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. Any questions, they can leave them in the comments. Yeah. We can get back to them, no problem. But again seek professional advice. We have, a, we have a saying in our office that there's no such thing as a stupid question, especially when it comes to taxes. Yeah. We would rather make fun of you behind your back for a silly question mm-hmm. than assume something and miss a deduction or you pay too much tax. Yeah. So 
that's where free tax is kind of in a nutshell. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do have questions, um, you are welcome to reach out to us over social media or uh, over email, info at checkcompletepodcast.com. Um, we'll also link some of the information for John's business, his, his website, and some ways you can reach out. Um, you can reach out to him as well, and, and he'll be happy to help you. Or uh, Obviously, there's probably tax professionals in your area, and there might be some in your referee community near you. Okay, so John does a lot of referee taxes for us in our in our part of the in our neck of the woods, I should say. So um, there might be some people around you that could be very helpful in that process. So uh, hopefully you can find someone again, John, and we'll be happy to connect you. John can be a resource for you as well. So very good. Awesome. Well, thank you, John. No problem. Appreciate it. The Check Complete podcast is brought to you in part by JF Consulting Tax Preparation and Bookkeeping. Taxes suck. We can help. Visit jfcokc.com. I'm excited to sit down with pro referee John Freeman. Um, John, we're really excited to have this part of the of our episode. The first segment we already talked about was about taxes, specifically for referees to be mindful of some cer- certain things. So thanks for walking us through that. Yeah, no problem. Just change my shirt real quick and on to the next segment. That's right. That's right. I did not have a church shirt to change, so I kept this instead of going topless. Probably the right choice. That is the correct decision. So um, we're excited to sit down and talk with John about his life, his journey, his career, and answer some fan questions that came from you all. So John, who are you? Give us just the basic introduction and then we'll, we'll kind of get into your story. Yeah, sure. We'll go a little personal first and then I'll get into some of the referee details. Um, I'm a dad of three. Um, we have three kids between the ages of 11 and 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, my beautiful wife, Katie, we've been married now for 15 years this year, which seems like a long, long time. Um, but yeah, we live here in Olathe, um, always have, probably always will, because we have a pretty good area here and we like it here. Um, from a refereeing standpoint, I first got certified in 2003. Um, mm-hmm. I started with, when I say super recreational, I, it couldn't be more recreational. Mm. Every game was red versus blue recreational. That's mm. how recreational I started refereeing. Um, obviously, over time, the games got a little bit better, a little bit older, a little bit harder. Um, and now I'm a contracted professional referee with a professional referees or- organization. Uh, this is my second year with a contract. Wonderful. And your day job? My day job, uh, my wife and I own a tax preparation firm. Um, we do taxes. We did about a thousand tax returns last tax season. Mm. Um, so that's a pretty growing part of our life that we're excited yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, very good. Awesome. So that's kind of a little bit of your background, but let's start let's start back. We can talk referee specific and if there's personal aspects of this that creep in, I, th- I think that's the case, right? It's never just just the referee journey for all of us. Sure. There's always life takes a different course and that impacts us in our professional world, whether that be refereeing or full-time job or, or the combination of both. So start from the beginning. You said 2003. That's when you got started. How old were you then? 2003? Do mm. you want to say how old I was in 2003? No, no, because everybody's going to be doing mental math at that point. People so you were upset. young. Young, young. Um, <laughs> I, I was a multi-sport athlete growing up, so at the time, our, our baseball team, all the kids on our baseball team got certified that same year. Mm. Um, our parents just wanted us a way to earn a little bit of money, and there was no better money for a kid who was 13 years old than refereeing soccer at the mm. time. So our whole baseball team went out, got certified that first year. Um, some of us lasted longer than others, obviously, um, but that's how I got started. Is anyone on your baseball team also in the MLS right now refereeing? Let me check the roster. No. No, <laughs> no they are not. All right. Um, okay, so that's that's where you got started. And so it was the rec stuff here locally on what? Well, this is only going to mean to a few people, but was, was it Heritage Park? No, it was actually Olathe Soccer Club at Prairie Center. Oh, yeah, sure enough. I don't even know if they play soccer games at Prairie Center anymore. I don't know if they do either. But it was... Super recreational. I'm talking metal pee whistle. Like I said earlier, blue versus red. I remember the next season, they allowed the teams to pick their own colors. Oh, boy. And it was chaos. They didn't tell the referees. So we only had yellow shirts. And all of a sudden, there were yellow teams. And we just had to wear yellow shirts just until the next help. season. And then we got more colors after that. But yeah, yeah, I remember when they made that change, It was we almost had to strike. It was <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. Rec- referee strike. Recreational soccer. Yeah. It's legit. It is. It is. So um, so that's where you got your 
what, humble beginnings, we'll call it as such. That's a great way to say it. Yeah, humble beginnings, okay. So then your career, you know, kind of the upward trajectory, right? And and you're still, I mean, you by no means, you know, you're still in that upward trajectory, right? Sure. Even though you've reached the, the pinnacle of domestic soccer in the United States, there's still upward trajectory. Um, so walk us through that trajectory, that path. I think the natural per progression for those of us here in Kansas City uh, after your recreational soccer you I mean we have one of the biggest youth leagues in the country here yes. in Kansas City with Heartland soccer uh, so that was the natural progression for me um, I think I spent two years doing recreational soccer um, and then it was just time to make more money so I thought mm -hmm. let's go work for Heartland and make some more money sure um, I can remember very specifically my first couple games at Heartland with Heartland um, a couple at Black Bob Park, mm. and then mainly at Heritage Soccer Park. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny, full circle, and I'm kind of fast-forwarding a little bit, but my son just played in a state cup tournament at Heritage last year, mm. and it was weird being back there on the other side of it. But I can remember my first couple of games at Heritage. I, did, I had no idea what I was doing, mm. and I learned very quickly that I had no idea what I was doing. I remember a ball going over the goal line for a corner kick on the opposite side. I was the AR the mm -hmm. opposite side and I pointed for corner kick like this <laughs> communicating that it is a corner kick on the far side of the field sure and I remember the referee running over saying goal kick or corner kick and I was such a scared little boy that I just kept pointing to the far side of the field yeah it was chaos I'm actually very embarrassed to tell that story <laughs> if that came out of my mouth um, but when you say humble beginnings that's we, we all start not knowing anything yeah. about officiating, right? And then as you kind of just climb the ladder, get more games, get more experience, things happen. Right. So uh, humble beginnings at Heritage Soccer Park, and then you just keep climbing the ladder. Like my work rate was really good when I was young, so that got me more opportunities eventually at State Cup. Um, shout out David Friedberg. I hope he sees this. He was the first referee I saw give his heart and soul to a soccer game. Mm -hmm. He ran in a State Cup game so hard, he, he almost passed out. Wow. And that was my first time where I was like, wow, like someone really cares about the game and I should too. Hmm. Um, and that was my first state cup. I can't remember what field it was at right now. Yeah. But that was my first time thinking like, this is serious. Like, wow. let's, let's give it, a, let's give it our all and kind of see what comes of it. Mm -hmm. um, after that, you just get opportunities at the state level. You kind of get plucked from the state level and, and then regionally you get opportunity and then you get mm -hmm. plucked from the regional level and then they just start sending you everywhere. Right. Um, right. And I was lucky enough to have support at the state level, RSRA Bill Davey and some of the other state directors, where they just sent us places to get opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, There's a, a trio of us, myself, Kyle Atkins, which I think was on one of your episodes mm -hmm. earlier, and then Ryan Cook. Um, and we just traveled as a crew and did as many games as possible mm. at every level, youth games, amateur games. Um, and we had a good time doing it. Yeah. But there were some really tough games, really tough oh, games. Oh, yeah. Um, I bet. Well, there's a couple things I want to pull from that. One of them is just you're talking about work rate. Like, that's what helped you stand out in people's minds is oh, what you said, right? 100%. Um, I got some advice once from a really, really seasoned referee, and he said, control the controllables. Mm -hmm. um, so a couple of those things can be your, your knowledge of the laws, your work rate, your fitness to a certain standpoint. If you can control your controllables, you get more grace when things happen out of your control. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was that was the one that was easiest for me because I was a you know multi-sport athlete at the time. So work rate and fitness rate were very easy for me to control. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's that's huge, and that's something that I think when we we work with young officials all the time, and I think you you know those of you that are in any sort of administrative or leadership roles, you know that's help helping them understand. I understand you might be here for a paycheck. We had an entry-level clinic this morning where a young lady, I said, why are you guys here? And she goes, I owe my sister a pair of shoes. I said, so you have to get money to buy her a pair of shoes? She goes, yes. Not so, a bad reason to start. Fair enough. And I, well, then the natural question I asked the rest of the class is, how many of you are indebted to other people and you're here? And no one else was. <laughs> um, so, but you know, if they're out there just to gain money, that kind of thing, I, you know, there's different reasons why. We'll talk about that a little bit, but... Um, if you go out and just, like you said, give it, 
effort. Mm-hmm. Um, it is amazing the opportunities that are unlocked when when referees put their heart and soul into some things. Absolutely. A lot of the people listening to this right now have competed at something in some facet of their life. And if you can remember, and this was also another reason why I decided to give refereeing a real chance, uh, in multiple of my sports, the refereeing wasn't very good. Mm. And if you can remember a referee kind of giving you the short end of the stick, you know how that feels. Um, and you don't want that to be how anyone else feels. Yeah. So give it your all, work really hard, and that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you, um, you're moving up the ladder. Your work rate is, is making you stand out as well. as just as you continue to work games, you learn more, you gain experience, decision, accuracy, all that kind of stuff is, is catching people's eyes. Okay, so then you get opportunities to work at, like you said, the regional level. Um, regional level being the regional tournaments, not in the regional concept that we think about it now with shifting from state referee to regional referee, okay? But then you do upgrade to a state referee at the time, right? So that was a tangible upgrade moment. What was that procedure like for you? Terrifying. Okay. Um, Back in my day, going from eight to seven, just with the one assessment, it's a big deal at the time. Mm -hmm. But then as you keep going, going from seven to six at the time, you needed three assessments, Um, I believe it was two in the middle, one on the line. Mm -hmm. One had to be an amateur game. And the the difference between amateur soccer and youth soccer is unbelievable. Mm. Just the speed of play, uh, the player's mentality, the gamesmanship, how they treat the referee, everything is so different. Um, I I wouldn't say we have the the best amateur soccer in our our area compared to some of the other larger states, like Mm -hmm. even in Chicago or if you go down to Texas, Dallas or L.A. or anywhere in Florida. Um, So that was some of the reasons we had to travel to get our experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But upgrading from seven to six was a good time. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but I failed quite a few assessments on my way up the ladder. Mm -hmm. Um, When I went from six to five, I failed one. Um, and then when I was trying to go from state five to national referee, I actually failed my first two national referee assessments Wow! and, and almost quit because it was so traumatizing. Wow. Um, not a lot of people know that, but now everyone knows it. Yes. <laughs> um, but luckily I had some good people and we'll talk about our whys here in a second. But mm-hmm. if you don't have good people with you along the way, you're going to lose faith in the system eventually, or you're going to mm-hmm. lose progress. Um, when I felt that first national assessment, I got Kyle on the phone, went back to my hotel room, called him and just laid it all out there. He said, you better not quit. If you quit, I, we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> and that friendship was worth it enough to, to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could tell you how many times Kyle and I had that conversation about me quitting. Um, wow. I, I mentioned earlier that I was, was lucky enough to get a contract from the professional referees organization last year. Uh, I could tell you two years before that, I literally had an email typed out ready to just quit refereeing. Wow. Uh, it's a tough journey to the top at Pro. I'm sure we'll get into some of that. Yeah. Um, but upgrading, it's fun, it's challenging, mm-hmm. uh, but it's difficult. Um, so to anyone who's looking to upgrade, uh, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. It really, does. it really does. So that journey to the top, that part of Pro and that kind of thing, I think there's a lot of young referees that watch this, and, and that's the goal. So there's a lot of, there's still a lot of mystery and gray area shrouded in that, you know? Sure. So what was that like from, at least from your experience? I know we probably don't have time to really go into in depth of all of that, but what was that experience like? Sure. And the experience that I had that I'm going to go over is a little bit different now. Just the professional landscape all the way from like what we used to call Development Academy, which is now MLS Next and MLS Next Pro, right? Um, it's just always shifting, so it's a little bit different. So mm-hmm. when I was coming through the ranks, Development Academy started, and those were the top-level games mm-hmm. that you could do, top-level games. Um, obviously, we have Sporting Kansas City, the Major League Soccer team here locally, so from the very get-go, we had an academy team, mm-hmm. so those games were available to us. Um, so my journey included getting to do those games, mm-hmm. and then, like I said earlier, the state of Kansas we were blessed enough for them to support us to go to other events, mainly academy events at the time. Sure. Every event you go to is opportunity. There are eyeballs always watching. Sure. So that was the goal. Just get in front of as many eyeballs, work as hard as you possibly can, and hopefully you you get selected from there. 
Um, so out of a Development Academy showcase, um, I was then selected to participate in a U-20 tournament, a U-20 national team tournament, um, just a year after Development Academy has started. Wow. Again, every time you go, go up a level, you start all the way over. It's, it's mm -hmm. mind-boggling. When I talked about going from rec, rec to Heartland and the games were competitive, I, I didn't know how to signal. When I went from Heartland to Ve Development Academy, I, I didn't know what a tactical foul was. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, when I went from Academy to that U20 national team tournament, I think it was USA, Costa Rica, two other international teams, the speed of play was just way over my head. Mm. And I'll be honest, I didn't have a good showing. Um, mm. But you take things as you, as they come to you, mm. uh, as the challenges come, and you just learn and just try and get better. Um, so that's kind of how my pathway started uh, through Development Academy, <clears throat> and then on to bigger and better events from there. Sure. I would say to all the officials nowadays, your goal should be to get into, start doing MLS Next and MLS Next Pro. Mm -hmm. I think that's the new kind of academy pathway. Right. into professional mm -hmm. refereeing. Generally speaking, my advice would be do as many games as you can and get as much experience as you can mm -hmm. because that's where you're going to learn the tools for the next level. Mm. So as soon as, it, as soon as you feel comfortable doing the games you're doing, you should try to find harder and higher level games. Mm. That's the best advice I could give. Um, and then obviously you've got to get in front of people who can make big decisions for your career. Right. That's the goal. Right. So what was that experience like getting, because you, you were doing VAR, how long before you were actually given a contract with Pro? Yeah, so I got a call um, from Alex Pruce, who at the time was the director of what we called the de development group. Um, and, and this was like a group of officials who were kind of like the next in line to be considered for MLS. Mm -hmm. So I got invited to the development group <clears throat> as a referee. Um, that first year, it was a tiered system. So A, B, and C, they invited all of us into tier B, gave us half a season to perform, and then they shifted people up and down mm. and then filled out three tiers, A, B, and C. Um, so there was uh, a year of that. I think the first MLS game for VR was August of 2017. Mm. So I was already had six months in the development group, had kind of you know created some good relationships with some people. I got a call from Alex Pruce who said, hey, we think this would be a good opportunity for you to be in the VAR program. Mm. What is VAR? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> it was brand new to us. Um, the United States was actually lucky because FIFA kind of handpicked our league to kind of launch VAR. Hmm. Like we were like the guinea pig of VAR. So uh, Howard Webb was hired to be the VAR manager. Uh, I got the phone call from Alex Pruz saying, you know, he thinks my personality and my skill set fit that pretty good. So why don't you give it a try? I said, great. Yeah, let's do it. Hmm. Um, so we went through a whole training process with VAR. We went to camps and got kids to play on fields and set up cameras and pretend they fouled people in the penalty area. And we got to, you know, trade on the system. And then I was lucky enough to actually work one of the opening games for VAR, hmm. uh, the second half of 2017. Wow. Um, it turned out to be a really good fit for me and my personality and kind of my skill set mentally and how I see games. Mm -hmm. um, so I was actually pretty good at, at VAR. Um, the project was incredible. I mean, we, mm. we were the guinea pigs, so all the mistakes flowed through us, all of the goods, all of the bads, and everything in between flowed through our officials here in the United States. Yeah. So um, I actually owe that program a lot of a lot of credit mm. because I think without that program, I don't get the opportunities that I got to show that I could referee at a high level mm. and then get offered a contract, you know, three years later. Wow. So. And you, and I know you're, you're not going to mention this, but you, you were dubbed the most effective VAR in, was that 2019? Or I think that, that was 2019. I'm really not sure how that stat was. I heard Greg Barkey say that one time. Greg Barkey, he created that stat. He pulled mm -hmm. embarrassing pictures off our Facebooks and put them up at Pro Camp um, mm -hmm. and dubbed us all these weird terms. Shout out Greg Barkey. We're gonna get him, we'll get him on here. Love, love him to death. Um, I think that had to do with um, your check time. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was like one of the lower 
check times, average check times. So, mm. you know, when I'm looking at something, it took me less time to get the right answer than other people. I think that's how that was created. So what was the skill set that you feel like, like what, what makes you a good VAR? That's a really good question. I thought it was when I was thinking of it. I was like, I'm going to ask this. And it's going to be freaking good. That's a really good question. <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's a question that, that pro is still currently working on. Sure. Five years into the, we're no longer in a project. Like this is full fledged VAR now. Uh, I think it's an actually really good question. Um, this is just my opinion. Yeah. It might differ from someone else's, but consult I, your local VAR professional. Please, <laughs> please. Um, I think at the top of that list is communication. Okay. A hundred percent. So when we sit in the VAR booth, I wish I had a picture of it. Uh, maybe I can find one and we can pop it up on the screen. Um, but we have double headphones like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, the referees on the field are all open mic except for the fourth official. So all of the noise from the field is being fed into your headphones mm. at all times. You can't turn it off. So if players are screaming, if the crowd is screaming, if the referee is screaming, that noise is all going into your headset. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're trying to look at a video screen, communicate with your assistant VAR on this side, asking them to you know watch off the ball or sometimes they're narrating things that are happening. And then on this side, you're communicating with the operator who's running the system, the program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rewinding, backing up frame by frame, wow. 100%, 50%, show it to me again, all while that noise is in your head. Wow. So I would say communication is at the peak of good VARs. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the list there. Okay. I think if, yeah. if, if you have really, really good communication, all of our VARs are really, really good in our league. All of them have a ton of experience. Um, but if your communication is good and you can start there, all the other things kind of fall into place. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You have to be a good decision maker too. You can only look at a replay so many times before you have to say, recommend a review or check complete. So right. maybe I'll add one A and one B, communication and decision making. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. If someone was like a DJ, do you think would that be helpful? Like they're in front of a screen and you're just like, you know. Um, DJs would struggle. Mm. DJs would struggle because I feel like DJs want to communicate everything to the crowd and VARs are a little bit more behind the scenes, You're, yeah. a little bit more reserved. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, you guys now have VAR. Um, you guys now have VAR in a centralized location. Believe it or not. Yeah. So when the program started, we were, go you know, there are two extra people on the referee crew going to the stadium, the right. VAR and the AVAR. Um, MLS decided, hey, we kind of want to be like the other major sports leagues in our country. And we now are centralized in Atlanta. Hmm. Um, the word on the street is that it might be a temporary location. Hmm. Um, the idea down the line is to build out an actual facility for VAR, mm. whether that's in Atlanta or New York or Dallas or Denver, to be determined. Olathe? Kansas, Kansas City, maybe. Oh. I'd shout out for that. Um, but to that point, I was just in Atlanta a couple weeks ago, and I was doing Seattle Sounders versus FC Dallas. That game was on the West Coast and kicked off at 7.30 Pacific. Oh. For those of us who are good at math and can jump through time zones, it kicked off 10.30 which is way past my bedtime. <laughs> I can't tell you how many cups of coffee and snacks I had to eat to stay up for that game. Yes. But that could be a problem in the future, so they're looking maybe to move it westward, you know, so it's a little bit more centralized. Centralized. So maybe Kansas City could have a, a shout for that. I don't see why not. Who knows? We got good fiber here. I think... I think that, you know, up until they moved to Atlanta, I was... I didn't think I'd be a good VAR. But now that it's in Atlanta... One of my favorite things to do at sporting events is to stop by the concession stands. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I would have, like, I'd pick a lull in action and then I'd get back and I'd have a hard time operating things because my fingers are covered in grease from nachos or something. Like, that would be my biggest fear as a VA. Going to the stadium. Correct. Being in stadium. Gotcha. But now that we're in Atlanta, I'm like... There are no concessions. There's no concession stand. Maybe I can, a coffee station. Yeah, which is fine. I, what's no the worst problem. I can do? Spill it all over the... That would be bad. That'd be pretty bad. Do you have a... <sighs> This, this question just came from one of our technicians behind a camera. Do you have a favorite VAR to work with when you're a referee? Are you even allowed to say that? Is this going to start a riff amongst your peers? Here's what I'll say. 
we as referees are allowed to have a list of people we prefer to work with. Okay. And then some people create a list of people they do not prefer to work list mm -hmm. work with. I do not have anyone on either list. Oh, really? Correct. Now, if you say my favorite VAR to work with, I can say that. I'm going to say a name. I'm going to say a full name. Okay. I'm very big on positive reinforcement. Like when I make a good decision, I like to hear that I made a good decision. It just pumps okay. me up. I can't, I'm not going to lie. Some people call that petty. just feels good. No, that's great. This is great. I love what you're saying. Keep going. This is wonderful. As of recent, my favorite VAR to work with, Jorge Gonzalez. Shout out Jorge Gonzalez. Well, there you go. The jefe himself. Jorge, God bless your ministry. That's <laughs> wonderful. No, Jorge does a really good job of communicating, like I, we just spoke to a second mm -hmm. ago. Um, you, you, know he's, he, you know he has your back in a positive way. He's going to correct you if you're wrong, and he's going to support you if you're correct. Hmm. And that when you can trust on the field, especially at the MLS level, it yeah. takes all the extra worry out of it. So right now, Jorge Gonzalez. There you go. Jorge, there you go. Love you, Jorge. See if we can get him on the podcast, too. Why not? Why not? That's like a very positive episode for us. He'd be great. That'd be awesome. Very good. Okay, that's 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 really, really cool. Um, now that you're into pro, gosh, I have so many questions. I have so many questions. We have fan questions, I know. But now that you're into pro, um, now that you're full-time, I mean, you're contract referee, um, What's been the what's been the highlights for you over these two years? I have to start with my first MLS game. Yeah. Both fortunately and unfortunately, it was in September 2020, so we were you know thigh deep in the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so there were no fans for my first game in Chicago, but Katie was able to bring the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, they weren't able to go to the game, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but we just made that whole weekend about you know Chicago, the game. Um, quick story time about that game in Chicago. Um, when you do your first game, it, it kind of gets publicized as your first game. Yeah. Pro puts out a little statement. All the people that you're connected with know it's your first game. Uh, the amount of support that I received on my phone on game day was overwhelming, to say the least. Mm. Like, I, ha I literally had to pull the car over. At the time, because of the pandemic, all the referees were required to rent their own vehicle. Because mm -hmm. we were just trying to limit, you know, time together. Mm -hmm. um, I literally had to pull my car off the road on the way to the stadium and I just cried for like five minutes Oh, and just like, okay, so I got a referee game. Right. Um, just the support from social media, text messages, voicemails. It was just overwhelming. Um, so I would say that was like the highlight of the last two years. That's amazing. The, yeah. the, the full circle highlight of the last two years. And did um, the... And, and that's the game players. ball. That's the game ball from that game. That's game ball. That's yeah, the game ball from is. that game. And the players and coaches probably knew it too, right? They do. Um, but there was there's so many highlights in that first game. Um, so as you're climbing the ladder of refereeing, you know, you're doing games, you're doing college games, you're doing academy games. Mm -hmm. um, you're you're refereeing players who are gonna make it into MLS. You know, uh -huh. Not all of them make it, obviously, but some of them do. Um, so I had a moment with a player, I won't say his name, but um, I had refereed him in academy. I had refereed him at the USL championship level. And now it's like we had both kind of made it into MLS. So right before kickoff, we had a moment. It was like, hey, bro, good to see you. Good to see you too. Congrats. And we both kind of exchanged that congratulatory kind of fist bump. Yeah. Um, so that was another highlight um, yeah. of that game. So just be careful as you're climbing the ladder because you never know who you're going to see at the next level. Right. <laughs> That's some advice I would give. Right. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's neat. I'm sure there's probably a lot more. Um, and just, you know, time permitting, we probably can't go through all the details. But I'm sure there's – and I'm sure there's probably more on the other side too. There's there's moments where you're just like, this is not fun, you know. Um, and that's probably the case, right? Well, that's with any job. Any job. Any job has that. Um, at the end of the day, it is a job and there's a lot of work that comes with it. Um, we do a ton of training. Um, we do a ton of compliance. Like we're reporting back to pro on a daily on a daily regiment. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a ton of work involved, but my why, which I guess we can get into now, yeah, let's go for that. is very, very strong on, you know, why I'm refereeing and what I'm refereeing for. Um, Katie and I do this thing where once I have enough miles accrued, we fly one kid out to a game. So Katie comes, a kid comes, and we just make that weekend about them. Um, 
and they love it. Mm. They they love it. So, you know, my son Jordan, he's been to Seattle. Um, my daughter Kylie, she's been to Salt Lake City in D.C. Mm-hmm. And my daughter Kaden, she's been to New York City. And they get to see places in the country that maybe they would have seen in other facets, but they've seen in a different way because of soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes all of the workouts that are really mm-hmm. hard, that makes all that stuff, all the assessments, all the all the media coverage, sometimes negative, um, it makes it all worth it if your why is strong enough. Yeah. So. Yeah. Probably helps to not look at Twitter. Twitter is a dangerous, dangerous place. If you don't take anything out of this episode, take this. Stay off of Twitter. <laughs> Especially after you referee. Just don't do it. Just delete the app. Log out of your log out of the browser. Just close your account. It's not worth it. I remember Katie texting me about a game you had last year, I believe, and she was like, I saw on Twitter, I go, that's your first mistake. I tell her all the time. <laughs> do not go to twitter.com after I referee. Go any other time. Do not go after I referee. Yeah. She gets yeah. she gets super protective. Oh, I'm like sure. I'm actually kind of scared of what she would do if someone said the wrong thing. <laughs> Mama Bear. <laughs> Mama Bear's coming out strong. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's get into some questions. Okay. Okay. Or did you have anything else you wanted to add? To your story, I mean, or covered a lot of it. Okay, yeah. the questions. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. And the why I think is huge. You and I have talked about that just in our personal relationship about understanding the why. And honestly, that comes from the coaching side has really done a, a huge emphasis uh, on the coaching side of things of helping players understand their why. And sure. when we're all in this, and really, it's not just soccer, right? Right. What motivates us to perform in whatever we're doing? And I think this is no different. So taking a moment, man, pause the episode if you need to. Get out something and journal out and, and, and let that shape you and let and, and adjust that because that can change, right? Here's the thing. when We'll just talk about refereeing specifically, but it applies to just life in general. When it's fun and easy, you don't really need a why. Yeah. When it's fun and easy, you just go. I mean, I had a game a couple weeks ago, Houston versus Dallas. You know, it's the Texas Derby. They introduced Hector Herrera, big-time Mexican national player. The stadium was sold out. I, I couldn't have had more fun doing that game. Mm-hmm. I didn't really need a why. But then there's other times, like I mentioned, some of our regimented items, you know, training. Um, we, we have weekly webinars where we all get together. I'm about to go to referee camp in Dallas here in a couple of weeks, and we're mm-hmm. going to be there for a week. Um, that's part of the job that is it's kind of strenuous and, mm-hmm. and can kind of wear you down a little bit. Sure. So those are the moments where you need that why to get through some of the hard times. I've had some games... I had a game earlier this season. I made a lot of bad decisions. Mm-hmm. It was my first game in six months. Didn't go very well. <laughs> um, but if my if your why is not really strong enough, that can kind of alter your route for the rest of the season. Sure. The why kind of brings you back to center, right? Yeah. And I've had some pretty smooth games since then. But your why is so important. I can't iterate that enough. Why, why, why? That's great. <clears throat> All right. Well, why don't we get into some fan I questions? I see what you did there. Yeah. Be sure to tip us on something. I don't know. We'll figure out a way for you to pay me for that line. Um, let's get into some questions. This one comes from uh, Anthony here in Overland Park. Um, how do you balance work and career and refereeing and family and all that you have going on? Good question. Um, part of being in pro that I've enjoyed the most is what they've brought to us. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned we go to referee camp every now and then. Uh, they used to do a really good job of bringing in people outside of soccer to talk with us, mm-hmm. psychologists, life coaches, um, and it's been really great. And I learned from one of those psychologists, the best thing you can do is be present where your feet are. Mm. So if you're at a soccer event, you are present in that event. If you're at home with your family or you're at home with your roommates, you are present in that moment. And that's really kept everything kind of organized for me. When I'm home, I mean, I, I cleaned the kids' bathtub today when I came home. I just came home from Colorado, did a game last night. I came home and I cleaned the kids' bathtub because it needed to be cleaned. Right. So we're just present where your feet are. When mm-hmm. I go on the road and referee, I check in at home, obviously. Um, but I'm present in that game 100%. So right. if you're present where your feet are, it'll help you kind of stay organized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, that's wonderful. You, there, there are, you may have already touched on some of this, but what have been some of the biggest lessons? This is also from Anthony. What are the biggest lessons you've learned as you moved up? 
on that. That is a loaded question. I'm sure it is. That is a loaded question, but I'll I'll give a couple a couple of items. Um, very very specifically, never forget where you come from mm-hmm. and who helped you get there. Um, refereeing can be a very lonely job. Mm. Like we we say this to each other before every kickoff, every game. Like it's just the four of us today. Mm. Like the players don't care about us. All the people watching the game don't care about us. Uh, so refereeing can be very lonely. And if you don't have that support system, uh, especially the people you know and love from an early, early age, early career, it's going to be really difficult when you get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And that's at any level along the way. Yeah. From my rec days to youth to development academy to college to pro, mm-hmm. uh, you've got to remember who came with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. This one comes from Drew here also in uh, Kansas City. How were you originally identified for pro? So that identification process. I know there's a lot of referees as they move up the ladder, they're going, how do I get into this pro thing? So what was that for you? That's also a loaded question. I'm sure. Really good questions today. Um, I would say the U.S. Soccer National Referee Program is what I was identified out of. So uh, mm-hmm. you climb the ladder, back in the day, it's not the same anymore, but eight to seven, you upgrade then to state referee, then you upgrade to national referee. Mm-hmm. And, and then the people who make the decisions now have a, a list of names or a pool mm-hmm. of referees and assistant referees where they're like, these are the people who are next. Um, so getting into that program, I think is the first step. Mm-hmm. And then like I mentioned earlier, just getting yourself in front of as many people who can make decisions as possible and then performing well in front of those people, yeah. that, that will get you continued opportunity. Yeah. So um, I was blessed to be in that national free program as the development group started with pro. So, you know, they, they really selected almost every national referee to begin with, to put into the pro development group. Mm-hmm. There were some non-nationals in the group as well, but mm-hmm. a lot of us came from the national referee program. Yeah. And then once you're in that group, now it's just time to perform, mm-hmm. work hard, make good decisions. Um, be a good person, kind of. So, yeah, um, I would say the National Referee Program, I owe a lot to. Mm. Two questions from Logan. Um, what, so the way he worded this, what would you tell your younger referee self? We've worded it with other guests. In uh, if you could go back and talk to first year little John Freeman, what would you tell him? Now that you know what you know. I would first teach him how to make a corner kick signal, regardless <laughs> of what side the goal of the ball goes off on. Yeah. I'm joking a little bit. Um, first year, John Freeman, what would I tell him? Enjoy, enjoy the, the games that you're doing. Mm. Um, I, think, I think as people, we just tend to kind of look forward. Um, mm-hmm. That used to be me in the college game specifically. So here in our area, we have a ton. We have just so many levels of college just in our backyard, right? We have mm-hmm. everything from junior college to NAIA to NCAA all three divisions, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I kind of always, I was getting some division one games at one point and I would kind of look forward to those ones while I'm working a different one. Mm-hmm. And I, I missed, oppor- I feel like I missed opportunity to enjoy some of the games that yeah. I was doing because I was looking forward. Um, so I would say, yeah, that's, that's what I would say to that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And then um, another question he asks is, and the, you talk about loaded questions. Oh, no. What's one person, what one person helped you the most in making you a successful referee? That seems like an unfair question. It's actually not an unfair question. Oh, okay. I'm gonna, sorry. I'm going to tell you why. And no one that watches this is going to get offended by my answer. My answer is my wife, Katie. Yeah. A hundred percent. Along the way, you go through so many like hard times getting into the professional ranks that you have to have someone that you can lean on. Mm-hmm whether that be a, a really good friend, a spouse, a significant other, you have to have someone mm-hmm. like solid as a rock to lean mm-hmm. on and is there no matter what. And that was Katie for me. Yeah. Um, so I told a couple stories about Kyle and how I called him a couple times and he said, don't quit or else. Um, Katie was the one outside of the phone call, you know, carrying everything else emotionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm being super honest, Katie, Katie's, Katie's cried because of soccer more times than I have. Mm. Like when I get a tough assessment or, you know, I don't get the 
promotion, a quick like sub story. They brought all of us into the professional referee organization development group at B, gave us half a year to perform. I was promoted to A. And then after the second half of the year, I was promoted back to, I was demoted to B for whatever reason. Um, and that was really hard because I was on this upward trajectory and then mm. to be just chopped off at what felt like the knees to go back down was really tough. Yeah. Um, but I just worked my way back up into A and then obviously got the contract a couple years later. Yeah. Um, but Katie was behind the scenes carrying that emotional, sure. the emotional weight of those decisions that were out of our control. Yeah. So I don't think it's actually a very controversial question. Okay. If Kyle's upset, he can call me later. Yeah, I'm sure he will. Okay. All right. Um, another question. This is from Kyle. Not that Kyle. Okay. Kyle from, from the Boston area, who's been a, a very faithful, uh, a very faithful listener. Hey, Kyle. From Boston. I'm not even going to try. Where did you pack your car? But when you, never mind. So (laughs) could you talk a little bit about communication with players for game management? Because I think that's a lot of us. I know I'm one of those people that I'm like, I want to hear the audio of what that exchange was like, right? You want to know how do you manage people that are really angry or anything. So I think that's, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Kyle, but um, talk about that communication for management. So I'll first start by saying... Pro has recently introduced a platform to us where we can now listen to our entire game audio mm. start to finish. Um, this is the first year we've had access to that, right? You can always remember things that you've said, but it's different when you play them back mm. in certain situations and kind of hear your tone, uh, hear yourself panting into the microphone because you just <laughs> made an 80-yard run, um, I, losing your temper a little bit. That, that, that's happened. Um, What's the question specifically? Like, talk about that communication. And I, maybe the question is, so the question was, could you talk about communication with players for game management? So maybe like successful or moments where it was successful or tips. Here's, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. You have to have a toolbox of communication. So you have to be able to communicate with a ton of different personalities. Mm-hmm. So any one game could have the nicest person on the planet to the meanest person on the planet. Um, and without naming any player names specifically, that was my game last night, uh, Colorado Rapids versus Columbus Crew. There was one player who yelled from the very first decision at me mm-hmm. and not very nice things. And then there was a player who literally put his arm on my shoulder as we walked off at halftime just asking questions just like a normal human being. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the ability to communicate with both types of people. Right. Now, if I'm giving you very specific advice... If you're handling that person who's very upset and angry all the time, I usually don't respond. Mm-hmm. And then later in the game, when the time is right for me, I then approach them. So let's say controversial decision, this player's yelling, I'm doing my job, putting the spray down, getting the 10 yards, and then maybe the player shoots it over the crossbar for a goal kick. Now I'm coming back to that player. Hey, what's, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. So they're much less aggravated. They're much less emotional. And I've found success in communicating with those type of players better in those moments than when they want to communicate. So right. keep control as much as you can. And then the second piece of advice I would say, try not to lose your temper. Yeah. We as referees already start kind of below sea level, if you will. And so we don't get as much grace as the yeah, players sure. do. Um, I saw a player in my game last night play a ball directly out of bounds for a throw-in. Directly out of bounds. His teammate was there, and he played it there. And no one booed. Uh, No one said, you're terrible. No one said, what are you thinking? Um, I gave a yellow card that was a very clear, the easiest yellow card I've given, and all 20,000 people booed me. So we already start behind the eight ball. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you lose your temper, it's always... Look at the mad referee, no matter what the other, what the player has said to you. So keep them under control, keep them on your time if you can, and then keep your composure. Yeah. I wish I could say I've kept my composure every single time, but I can't, if I'm being honest. Yeah. It's tough. We don't need examples. <laughs> we want them, but we don't need them. <laughs> I can't give them. I can't give them. All right. Um, if you could, this is from Rami. Um, if you could start your refereeing career in one state slash city, which would you choose? Interesting question. That's an interesting question. I'm going to alter it just slightly because I think it's easier to answer if we alter it a little bit. 
um, how would I start my professional referee career with mm -hmm. the professional referees organization? Traveling from our city, Kansas City, KCI, MCI, depending on what you call it, it's difficult sometimes. Not mm -hmm. a lot of direct flights. We have a pretty small, pretty bad airport. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the new airport uh, scheduled to be done in 2023. So hopefully that brings us some more options. Hopefully. Um, but the answer would be I'd like to be in a city with a bigger airport with more flight options. Yeah. Um, my wife's favorite sister lives in the Dallas area. Mm -hmm. So that has always been on our short list. Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, and they have a nice big airport. You can go mm. anywhere. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. uh, similar cost of living to Kansas City. So I think that would be my answer. Dallas, Fort Worth area is where I would go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. And our last question, um, this comes from Kyle Atkins. Who? The, exactly. excuse me, the Kyle Atkins. The World Cup like, AR Kyle Atkins? He's like the Ohio State of uh, ARs. The Kyle Atkins. What is your favorite Froggy Fresh song? That was the question that was. It's an easy answer, but I'm embarrassed of the question. <laughs> everyone, we, everyone, we did not tell John that this question was coming. Son of a gun. Everyone pause the YouTube, open a new tab, and just type Froggy Fresh Denzel Washington into <laughs> your new tab and watch the whole video. It's a rap about how great Denzel Washington is. Okay. And his in his acting career. Okay. And he hits all the top movies and just crushes it. Oh wow. Froggy Fresh and don't forget his best friend Mike. Okay. Okay. Second right. favorite Froggy Fresh. Oh, song there's more. Is but I, think wait. It, I think it's called Best Friend, but he he basically raps a love song to his best friend Mike and it gets me every time. It's great. Wow. It's great. I'll play it for you guys later. Yeah. Well, not you, but us. But you can, you, the internet, you can do the internet. You're going to laugh when you hear it. I just want to prep you. It's not like, it's almost parody. It's, it's mm, Okay. We think it's parody, but I actually think Froggy Fresh thinks he's an actual rapper. Mm. So it's, it's good. Okay. But it's bad, but it's good. <laughs> well, we derailed at the right time because that's the end of our interview with you, Chuck. John, thank you so Absolutely. much. Thanks it for is, having me. It's, I, I love listening to these types of uh, conversations. I think we can find ourselves in stories and use it for uh, encouragement. And um, you know, maybe it's uh, just you, if you're having one of those moments where you're just feeling like, why should I do this? Maybe you connected with some of John's story awesome. or some of the other guests that we've had. Um, but today, especially as we've heard that story, we appreciate it. So thanks, John. Awesome. Thanks. The Check Complete podcast is brought to you in part by JF Consulting Tax Preparation and Bookkeeping. Taxes suck, we can help. Visit jfcokc.com. This has been episode 12 of the Check Complete podcast. Gordy Wetmore, joined by John Freeman. John, thank you so, so much for your time today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. We love hearing your story. We love hearing about some practical tips for referees as they uh, prepare for and work with their Profession, tax professional. Please. Um, yes. Tax guy. They're tax, tax guy. Girl. Or girl, yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some some resources, again, we'll put those in the bio of the video as well as um, share those in, uh, in a couple other ways for those of you that are listening on audio only. Um, you can click the bios in our Instagram or Twitter accounts and there'll be some links in there as well. Uh, those are great resources for you as you continue to track your expenses, mileage, all sorts of things so that you're as prepared as you can be. Again, work with your tax professional on that. John, thanks for sharing your story and kind of uh, opening up with us. Um, we really, really appreciate that. I know you will be seeking retribution against Kyle for that last question. I will, um, but I'm going to do it sneakily and he won't see it coming. Okay, perfect. Excellent. Um if there are things that you would like to praise us about or suggestions, ideas for future segments or feedback along those lines, we'd love to hear that from you. You can slide into our DMs on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram at check underscore complete, Facebook at check complete podcast. Um, you can also email us, at, email us info at checkcompletepodcast.com. If there are things that you're not really thrilled about, maybe you could call those complaints. We'd be happy to hear those as well. Please write those onto the back of a PCL, official U.S. Soccer Men's Blazer. That's numbered 1241 in the official sports uh, website. 
It retails at uh, $150. You can also find one in a slimming women's cut that you can write on and send to us. We'll get right back to you. John, thanks again. We appreciate you. Thanks, Corey. We'll see you back for episode 13 very soon. I said it's getting well, Washington.